Uh, I have I have a couple things at the top of your page there. Um, the the first being a text quote from something we read last week. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six six six. Which technically we're not going to be looking at directly today. Uh, it will be the next class. We're we're concerned with the number seven. That being said. Uh, we will talk about things today that are relevant to that. We'll come back to this verse because it's it's pretty important. Uh, then under introduction there is a quote that I was told in school on a few occasions uh, as we were learning more things and all of this that the uh, and referencing scholars and things like that that it's the job of a scholar to make the difficult simple easy to understand, uh, to, to translate for people uh, some of these more difficult concepts, perhaps, and things like that. Uh, and I have that on there to say, uh, I'm not a scholar, so <laughs> I am going to do my best to take this uh, difficult-to-understand topic and uh, relate it to things uh, that hopefully we'll, we'll kind of draw a conclusion here at the end of this that says, okay, we, we understand maybe not how we got there, uh, but at least what this stuff represents, what seven represents. And then next week we have multiple numbers that we're going to deal with. So it becomes harder. We'll see what happens. Maybe we have a third class. I don't know. Three would be a good number of classes of these to have, uh, but we'll talk about that next week. Okay. Uh, in our last lessons, the last couple of them, we looked at, well, really three, because we looked at bad guys the last two, uh, and then we looked at uh, conquering before that, which included them, but had more to do with uh, Jesus being victorious uh, and how we are victorious with him. Uh, but we kind of touched on the, the bad guys in Revelation uh, through there as well. Uh, in our last few lessons, uh, how these bad guys attempt to bring about power uh, through, or their reign through things like power and fear and uh, destruction of others and that kind of thing. Uh, how God ultimately brings those things to nothing, uh, and then how we conquer alongside Jesus. Today we're going to move towards numerology, the study of numbers. Uh, the study and value of various numbers, what their repeated presence means throughout the book of Revelation. We're going to start just by looking at the number seven. Uh, seven is a big deal. Hopefully you did the... Uh, the homework, the take-home stuff from last week of trying to find where seven shows up. If you just did a kind of quick Bible Gateway search, because uh, numbers are, you're not going to have a lot of translation variation with numbers normally. Uh, so using Bible Gateway is going to be pretty good. Uh, there are at least 34 verses that include a reference to the number seven, but a lot of those have like it uses the word seven twice, maybe three times. One of them has it six times in there. Uh, so the actual number of occurrences of seven, uh, I don't actually know exactly what how many occurrences that is, uh, but it's a significant number. Normally I would have all the verses sitting out here on the page for us. I'm not going to do that. What we did instead was we wrote a list of sevens and how many sevens show up. And I think there's 16 different sevens here uh, throughout the book. Uh, so we'll go through that list, uh, and then we'll, I mean, really what we're doing is just kind of laying sevens out, 
Then we'll talk about some really weird stuff for us, but not weird for Jewish people or even Greek people. It's weird for us. Uh, and then we'll move into, who cares? Uh, what, what is, why does this matter? What, what's the deal with seven? Okay, uh, so we have seven churches. Uh, we get that reference at the very beginning. All three of them at the very beginning. Uh, seven spirits, that kind of joins in there, but then branches out through a few chapters. You can see there, chapter one, three, four, and five. Uh, seven golden lampstands, and that connects to the churches we're talking about in chapters one and two. Uh, seven stars, those are also connected to the churches there, uh, going up through chapter three. Uh, seven torches of fire, seven seals. Uh, which serves as uh, a kind of big deal there at that first, we'll say first third of the book, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 8, where we get these seals broken open, and then stuff happens as those seals are getting broken open. Uh, seven horns, seven eyes, seven angels, and just look at how often that shows up uh, in 8, 10, 11, 15, 16, 17, 21, like the... 21.9 is our last reference as well to any of these sevens, and then it stops there. Uh, but you have angels all throughout the book, uh, specifically seven angels. Uh, seven trumpets, seven thunders, seven heads, seven plagues, seven golden bowls, seven mountains, and then seven kings alongside all of that. Lots of sevens. Lots of sevens throughout the book. Uh, that is not, I mean, I, I suppose that you could say, okay, this is coincidental stuff. Uh, but that seems, well, it's, it's, it is inappropriate to do that because you wouldn't have a, a number repeated like this if it doesn't have some significance. This is not the only number that's repeated often throughout the book, though this is the number that's going to be repeated uh, the most often here. Uh, before we discuss the meaning of seven, let's talk about sevens in the Old Testament here. Uh, page two. Just going to list a few, and if there are some, because this, this is not all of them, uh, we're going to list a few. Uh, if there are some that you think of in addition to this, well, let's do it this way instead. Maybe we should have just stayed on page one. Don't look at page two. Don't do it. I know that I said don't do it. Now you really want to do it. Don't do it. Uh, flip it back over if you're tempted. This is an exercise in... Uh, Righteousness. Uh, that's the standard that's been set. Uh, let's look at uh, page one instead. So I'm going to ask you this. What are some significant, uh, what are just some sevens that show up in the Old Testament? Naaman dipping seven times in the Jordan at the behest of the prophet. Okay, Naaman uh, dipping seven times. You know, go go uh, into the water seven times in order to cure the leprosy. Okay, what else? Days of creation. Yeah, days of creation. Hey, marching around Jericho, and there's a few different like sevens that are in there. The number of times, the number of priests, number of trumpet blasts, number of days. Like, so you got a lot of sevens in there. Hey, what else? We got them all. Good job. <laughs> there's just three. <laughs> Anything else? Seven birds in the ark. Are there seven? The the ark. The number of birds go by. Oh, yeah, I missed that. That's great. That's a good one. What's that? The clean animal. Yeah, clean animal. Okay, seven, seven of the clean animals there on the ark. Birds uh, as well here. Okay, 
any others? I didn't have that. That's great. I don't, I, I don't know if that's true in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament, aren't the, aren't the, the uh, genealogies multiples of seven? <laughs> yeah, we'll have some genealogy stuff. Oh, okay. There's, there are sevens, uh, prominent sevens, uh, throughout the genealogies and things like that. Uh, and we're going to look at every genealogy. We're, we're, not, uh, we're not doing that. Uh, but we will make note of some genealogy stuff uh, if we have... <laughs> if we have extra time. Uh, if we have extra time today, there's actually something interesting in Matthew's genealogy, and maybe we'll mess around with that. But I didn't write it down, and so I'm going to have to remember it <coughs> entirely, and I'm not sure I can. But it is an interesting thing, and so if we don't do it today, maybe we do it uh, next week. Okay, what else? Not Old Testament, but New Testament. It's seven, okay. seven signs of... Uh, Jesus of Matthew, is it not? Does he do? Is it seven times? Maybe. Maybe. And so in John's gospel, there's a few sevens that show up. Seven seven signs signs is one of them. I think there's. I think it's seven. There's something to do with the I am statements as well, uh, and then another. Like specific I am's and then more general, uh, more generalized ones. That's not Old Testament, uh, but. You went out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Battery's dead. Um, under, under that counter in there, there's a mic, a handheld mic. Can you grab, just grab it? You told me? Yes. Yeah. Just around <laughs> the <picture there. laughs> I've got a lot of talking I have to do <laughs> uh, today. Okay, uh, other sevens. Is it Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam? Yes. Okay, so that, that'll be one of the ones that we that we address. Uh, and looking at my, getting, getting back to that one as well, looking at the title of this is Old Testament Occurrences, but I do have the, uh, I do have the forgiveness thing on here uh, from uh, the New yeah. Testament as well. Uh, yeah, okay, so the, the lampstand had uh, seven candles on it, which is not true of, I, I think the the one for Hanukkah is nine or something like that, but it's, it's okay, menorah is nine, uh, but the, the one that they're, they're asked to build in the temple is seven, uh, so you have seven there, what else? Some what? Seven veils. Oh, oh, veils of Solomon. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay, what else? Any others? I've got several examples. Video Yeah, I forgot to mention that Tracy sent me a video. It was a car commercial. Wasn't BMW it? Yeah, seven it was a BMW Seven series, <laughs> and the whole commercial was Seven Wonders of the World, just leading up to, and of course, yeah, the, yeah, the Seven Seas. Of course, the BMW uh, Seven Series. Uh, I don't know that those have any uh, theological significance, but it's funny uh, that there's there's sevens. Okay, careful with the recording thing that's sitting right here. I cannot oh, wait to I cannot wait to edit this. Uh, this is a good class though to just go somewhat off the rails from normal because uh, again, this is so easy. Uh, okay, page two. Let's go through the, the list here. Some of these we said, some of these we didn't say. 
even what, just from what we said, lots and lots of sevens. It's cool. You hear me? Okay. It's echoey. Okay. Here's here's what we're doing. Man, I cannot wait. The editing on this is gonna be. Okay. This this I know is at least pretty loud and all that stuff. So. Page two. Here we go. Not an exhaustive list, but the 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 ones that we gave out. Some of those we don't have on here. Uh, and then we do have some, but we've added others. Here we go. Uh, seven days in the creation week ends up being significant. Uh, you have six days for everything to be created, and there's, when we talk about seven and its importance, uh, there's always a temptation with number stuff to go too far, and you can go too far with numbers, and you can have a pretty good idea if you're going too far or not as well. Uh, there is actually a standard to this kind of stuff, uh, but it, you shouldn't look at it and go, well, actually it took you know six weeks to make everything, so wouldn't six be the significant number? No, because the creation week itself, you have this specific day set aside uh, that that is the end date for all of it. It's different from all the other days because it's just a day of rest, uh, but that becomes significant uh, for the rest of the Old Testament. It becomes a big deal. Okay, God rests on the seventh day and then commands Sabbath rest for his people, uh, which is more than just a, hey, you guys work hard all week. Why don't you just take a day for yourself? That's not really the point of the Sabbath. Uh, it is meant to be a rest day, uh, and even that gets twisted as we go through uh, by Pharisees and others into a very stressful day. Uh, of be careful not to do anything or that's sin and you're, you know, you're going to be punished for that. Uh, that was not the intention of it. But this is more than just a, why don't you guys take a break? You know, you've worked really hard this week. Uh, there is uh, significance to the rest that's talking about future. And we'll come back to that another time. When we get to the end of Revelation, we'll talk about that. Uh, seven days for temple dedication. Uh, seven feasts of God, seven priests blowing seven trumpets after marching uh, seven times at Jericho. King Josiah was seven years old when he began his reign, uh, and he began to rebuild, uh, began to rebuild, uh, <laughs> began to rebuild the temple of uh, God. King Hezekiah reinstated the observance of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, seven-day festival. Uh, the people were so excited they celebrated another. Uh, seven days there. Elisha had Naaman washed in the Jordan seven times. Uh, blood was sprinkled seven times on the mercy seat, that should say, uh, on the Day of Atonement. That's uh, that's a big deal. Uh, the Day of Atonement is the, the one time a year sins for all the people kind of thing. So they have various sacrifices and stuff throughout the year for sin, but the Day of Atonement's a, a big deal. Um, seven weeks are counted to get to Pentecost, Pentecost means it's 50, it's 50 days, but it's seven, uh, seven weeks of, yeah, seven days there. So there's a seven by seven, which is not the last time we're going to see that. Then you add that, you know, 50th day is Pentecost. Uh, seven times seven years gets us to the year of Jubilee. 
uh, which is the 50th year, but it's the year after uh, you've completed uh, seven sets of seven years. So this 50th year, year of Jubilee, where all of these like debts and things like that completely released uh, from all of those things. Uh, and so there's a freedom aspect to all of that. Again, all this in the Old Testament here. Uh, from a genealogical standpoint, seven generations separate Adam and Enoch. Uh, Enoch being an interesting case of uh, he walked with God and then was not. You know, he's, <laughs> there's no indication that he dies. That's not to say that he, well, you, the, the text doesn't say he died, so he didn't die. Well, there's, the text doesn't say a lot of people, uh, you know, doesn't give us the death of a lot of people. But the way that all this is phrased with Enoch and what they believed about Enoch and all of this, the belief is, yeah, he didn't die. Uh, he just goes goes with God there. Uh, so a significant character there. Uh, Abraham to Moses, you've also got seven there. David is stated as being the seventh there in 1 Chronicles 2, 15. So we have people like Enoch, people like Moses, people like David. Sevens, from a genealogical standpoint, become very significant. Uh, and the, the important part of all of this is that they would have registered that without somebody like me standing up and saying, hey, seven's a they, they would have just read this and gone, oh, hey, he's the seventh. That's significant because seven matters to us. That They have numbers in mind. The Jewish people do. It's also true of, uh, of Greek people uh, and into Rome. This is the thing that they did. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but these sevens within the genealogies, they would have just automatically recognized. Go ahead. Didn't Jacob work seven years for Ruth? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seven years, and then he works what? another seven years. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you have a lot of sevens that pop up like that. I did throw a New Testament one in there, despite what the title of this is. <laughs> uh, we need to forgive our brothers. Jesus responds, you know, seven times seven, or... 77 times or 70 times, you know, whatever. Uh, there is a little bit of uh, variant in the translation there, but the point is you have these sevens uh, repeated there. For the Jewish people, they would hear that and go, got it. We don't need to keep track of all of our forgiveness. We need to forgive a uh, a complete number of times or whatever. We'll get back to that in just a minute. Uh, within Jewish tradition, there are 613 commandments Jews must follow, but for everybody else, the rest of humanity, uh, just seven commandments uh, for the rest of humanity. If you want to know more about that, uh, the, the uh, Noahide laws, that is in reference to Noah. Uh, and so you can go look that up if you want to. I'm not talking about it today. Uh, in addition to this, at Jewish weddings... Seven blessings are recited over the bride and groom under what's called the chuppah. It's a canopy deal that they, uh, that they stand under. That canopy is a representation. Uh, it's an image uh, of something, uh, heaven, God being involved in the relationship, that kind of stuff. Uh, so you have seven blessings recited there uh, at Jewish weddings, generally, normally. Uh, in some cases, the bride circles the groom seven times. In other contexts, the couple circles one another seven times. I don't know if that's at the same time or one after the other or how that works. Uh, but sevens are significant uh, within there. Not just biblically do they show up a lot. Jewish tradition shows us it's significant. 
uh, it, even into their weddings and things like that, sevens just come up. Uh, if you want to go just look up, is the number seven important to Jewish people? You'll get a number of Jewish websites that come up from various rabbis that study and write those things. And what they'll tell you is sevens are blessed. Seven is, you know, lucky number seven. That's Seven is a good number. Uh, and they'll say that and repeat it and then start to say uh, things like there are seven names for the earth. There are seven names for the heavens. And they'll list those things out. Read all sorts of stuff that wasn't found in the Bible, but for Jewish people, uh, when they see these sevens, they recognize something good is happening here. There's something important taking place here. Okay. Bottom of page two. Uh, Gematria and isopsophy. You guys know that. Uh, you probably Here's the deal. You probably know it about as good as I do. Uh, which is, remember that it's the job of the scholar to make the difference. Yeah, there's a lot of learning for me in all of this. Uh, I was taught about the importance of various numbers, like what those numbers mean and represent and all of that sort of stuff for the Jewish people. However, I left with the question, who says? <laughs> who says this stuff means that? Where, where did that come from? We didn't explore it. It's not like we had a class that said, let's talk about Hebrew, Hebrew numerology or things like that. Uh, so there was a lot of learning about this stuff. A lot of that learning took place outside of a biblical context as well, because it, it has to. Uh, why are numbers so important to these people? We see the numbers repeated. Uh, we have this question of why are those numbers used as often as they are, but we're kind of left with uh, why exactly that number and what exactly does that number mean and how did it come to that kind of meaning. Turns out uh, this, is, this is the idea. Okay, you have a simple definition there at the top. Uh, these, both of these things, and it goes by other names as well. Uh, Gematria is the Hebrew uh, isopsophy is, the, uh, is the, the Greek version of this. Uh, this is the practice of assigning a numerical value to a name, word, or phrase by reading it as a number. So letter corresponds to a number. That's how that works. Uh, so when they, would see, when they would see a letter, they knew what number that represented. Uh, when they would see a word or a phrase, then they could take each of those letters, the numbers that they represent, add those things together, all that kind of stuff. That's what we're talking about. Now, before you go, okay, this is starting to sound ridiculous or a little much. We, we do those kinds of things. We do that with uh, uh, music. You can do it with math where, you know, math, equal, the, these numbers equal these kinds of notes or whatever and make all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, we're doing it with all kinds of things. Uh, and... This is exactly one of those things that people do that get us into trouble with Revelation, particularly the number 666. And they go, all right, how can we, uh, here's how this number equals Donald Trump. Saw those. Uh, those came up. Uh, but before that, here's how that number represents Barack Obama. There are a lot of those. Some of these are extremely clever, too, about how you get to, like, how it gets to 666. They can make it work. Um, it was like that with Bill Clinton. It's been like that with Russia and just about every other thing that people don't like. Uh, you, can, you can get there. 
uh, somehow to 666. Some are very convoluted ways to get there, but that's what people do with Revelation is, okay, things are getting pretty bad in my estimation, so this must be, uh, and then they, they tie it <laughs> and bring it uh, to whatever present day problem they have. Uh, I, I will try to remember, in fact, let me write this down, because I did this once here. We, we talked about how to study apocalyptic literature. We're talking about how to study the Bible, and we covered that genre. Uh, and I got to 666 from my name pretty easily. So do with that whatever you want. Uh, but I'll try to bring that slide and show you how I did that with my name. And maybe we'll attempt to do it with somebody else's name in here just for fun. Uh, we'll go from there. We'll need a eager volunteer uh, to be a, given the number of the mark of the beast. Okay, Don's volunteered, so I'm going to work on that. <laughs> okay. You've done it before? Oh, okay. That was really quick. I'm a little suspicious. Yeah, you can do it. Please don't spend the rest of your time. Like, Let's save it. Okay, but this is where people get into a lot of trouble, where they take that number and they go, okay, how can that, he has so many in his, his last name, and so that's pretty, easy. like Dodgen, that's pretty easy. Okay, we get right to six there. So we've got one of the three, so that's pretty good. Uh, and then you just kind of work from there uh, and figure out some way to connect those dots. It's not that they shouldn't, it's, it's not that you're not supposed to connect those dots to something. We're going to get back to that verse in a minute and talk more about it next week. Uh, it's not that you shouldn't connect those dots. That's something that we're asked to do in the text, uh, but it's also something that they did. This was a standard thing, uh, not just for them, uh, but for other nations as well. Okay, from a historical standpoint, this is bottom of page two, uh, Gematria can be traced back to an Assyrian inscription dating back to the 8th century BC and commissioned by Sargon II. The inscription reads, the king built the wall of Khorsabad 16,283 cubits long to correspond with the numerical value of his name. Okay, that's the inscription. Uh, the, I, the thought process of all of this sounds funny to me, uh, but this would have been kind of standard stuff. How long should we build this wall? And the king goes, okay, well, this is my name, and if we bring the numbers down from it, 16,283, that's how long I want this wall. And so now, think about that. What happens when this wall is built to that, to that length? Okay, you've got a long wall, but there's more significance to it now, right? Because that wall is connected to the king. Why is it this long? Why is it this big? Why did the king instruct us to make it this big? Because he is king, and this wall is connected to him uh, in name and in length as a result of that name, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but we have all this back in 8th century BC. This is a thing that happened. This is, this is not a Jewish individual. It's a Syrian king, but this is the kind of stuff that they did. This is the kind of stuff that they thought about. Okay, uh, we should know this type of thing has been used in a number of different cultures. Greek, La uh, Greece, Lat uh, Latin language, uh, like Rome, stuff like that. They did this. Phoenicia, Assyria, Babylon, etc. Just a lot of other nations that, that did this, that assigned numbers to letters and then went from there. Okay, page three. You got a lot of weird stuff. This is, this is for you to just look over. 
Um, and next week we'll have some math puzzles uh, where, <laughs> now what, you, you know those little kids' papers where they have the, the, the code you have to decipher and go find what the answer is after you fill out the, and you got the little number underneath. This is like that, uh, but for us, a lot harder because we might look at these letters and go, I've never seen that before in my life. I don't know what that is. Uh, but for them, this was pretty standard. You'll notice, so the, the, top, the top chart here, and I know that we're skipping over some stuff. We'll, we'll read it in a minute. The top chart here is uh, uh, Hebrew, Hebrew letters. Uh, the symbol that represents that particular letter and then the number that represents it there on the, on the left side. Uh, 1 through 9, 10 through 90, 100 through 900. That's how that worked out. If you look at the ones below it, okay, that's two parts, same chart there, uh, but those are the Greek letters. Okay? And the Greek letters do the same thing, 1 through 9, 10 through 90, 100 through 900. Uh, so they would see these, they would see these letters, they would see these letters, and you could just drop down and go, that's this number, that's this number, that's this number, let's add it up together, uh, that kind of thing. Okay, top of the page. Revelation 13, 18. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beasts, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. So we're actually asked in the text, uh, and by the way, some translations will say 616 instead of 666. Uh, we'll, again, talk more about that next week, but either way, uh, there's a way that they get to the same individual. We'll, we'll get to that next week. So you say Go ahead. That everybody kind of understood the importance of this back then or the number system, but I mean, yeah. this makes you go, well, not everybody understood because let one that has understanding. Sure, but you, you have that with like, uh, let he who has ears to hear, let him hear, that sort of thing. This, uh, I'm telling you, you need to be paying attention and, and do the work. Uh, it's kind of more more like that. Uh, that sort of phrase. Um, same thing with like the parables and stuff like that. So I guess to that degree, like yes, there is a certain amount of pay attention and do this work. Uh, but next week when we talk about what this individual, who this individual is, um, which it's not me and it's not anybody in this room and it's not any of the presidents that we've had and all of that. So if that's a letdown, you know, sorry. Uh, it was somebody then, uh, and we'll we'll get to that. Uh, but uh, for for these people, if they would stop and listen to this and do something with this, they'll be able to understand this is the problem. Uh, but and this is still true today and always will be. Uh, you have people that aren't gonna do the work. They're not, they're not going to stop and understand. They're just going to keep rolling or they'll think that they understand and just keep living. And that's not a good thing to do. Uh, we've already seen the last couple of weeks the tricks of the bad guys, particularly in having one that's uh, very similar to Christ and a lot of his descriptions about things that he does and what he looks like and all of this, but as a false version of uh, the Messiah leading people astray. Well, if you're not paying attention, what you see is, I should follow this individual. I should follow this thing. I should go where it wants me to go, not realizing it's a trap. 
uh, you're going to get in trouble there. Okay. Uh, the one who has understanding calculate. So we're, we're given this word that says, take the, uh, here are the numbers. These numbers represent an individual. Do the work. <laughs> so this isn't a outside of the Bible kind of idea. I mean, the text is asking them, let me give you these. This equals this. Find out who that is. Don't do that now. Well, that's next week. We care about seven. The reason I'm bringing this up here is because this verse is, is asking them to be involved in this process, to do this very thing that we're talking about. This was a common thing that a number of cultures have done, where they assigned a number to a letter, and that was significant, all the way back into Sargon building a wall and saying, I want it this long because I take the letters of my name, uh, we get to this number, so just build it that long. Uh, that's a thing that they did. Uh, and here in Revelation, we're given another number and told, calculate this stuff. It, it equals a man. You guys can figure that out. And that's, that's what the text is here. Okay. Uh, then we have all the charts. Uh, what we care about is seven. Uh, these two are both similar, uh, both pronounced with a, a Z. Uh, for us in both the Hebrew and the Greek here. They are connected, though my understanding is the Greek Zeta developed more from uh, Phoenicia than it, did, uh, than it did actual Hebrew. And the Hebrew character that we have here is somewhat more of a modern one. Um, the, the, the earlier version of it looked more like a capital H turned on its side. Uh, but that helps us with the understanding of what the word means. We'll get to that here in a minute. This is where stuff is like, th this is where my confidence and my ability to explain this stuff goes just into the ground. Uh, <laughs> that's where this goes right here. Not because of you, because of my understanding of it. Uh, you know, let the one who has understanding. That's not me. Uh, that, that was not written to me. But I think we can get to the point of why this matters uh, here in just a minute. Okay, so what's the big deal with the number seven? Page four. The Hebrew letter, Zion, uh, Zion is another way that that's said. Sounds like Zion, uh, which I think uh, there's actual significance to that. Uh, but we'll not get into that in a minute, or today. Uh, the Hebrew letter, uh, Zion has a number of representations. Uh, it has to do with food and nourishment, as well as weapon and sword. Okay, so that makes more sense when we look at, do I have a just random piece of paper? I do. This is why you never clean anything up. Because you never know when you'll need something. That's, that's more like what it looked like. Okay, it's capital I. Capital H turned on its side, whatever. Uh, that's the same letter that we're talking about right now. Uh, from a primitive Hebrew standpoint, ancient Hebrew standpoint. The one that you have on this chart is more modern, um, but, and we should ask this here, uh, what, does, what does Zion look like that where it says glyph? What does that glyph look like to you? It's like a... You didn't think you were going to have a Rorschach test this morning in uh, Bible class. Okay, it looks like a T. What else? Almost looks like a 
seven. Almost looks like a seven. Yeah, it's by design. Yeah, it, it looks like a seven representative of seven. That's kind of the idea. There's way more to it than that. Uh, and that that was one of those, uh, well, you look at the six right above it. Similar in the way those are written. One is just a line. But then when you get to the next one, it has this line over the top of it. That is called a... Uh, a crowned letter, so it's uh, it's like it's being elevated. Uh, Vav is what you have there on uh, representative of six, and so they would say that uh, Zion is a crowned Vav. So they they took this thing, they put a crown on it. More important, better, upgraded, that sort of thing. Uh, so when we talk about seven being this great number here in a minute, and six being less so. Okay, think of the crowned idea and all that sort of stuff. I strongly encourage you to look more up uh, on the linguistic side of things because it's cool, but it's also a lot. Um, so if you're really interested in that, look at that. But the, the crowned Vav idea, I'm not making that up. And it wasn't one guy on the internet either. It, it wouldn't stop coming up in everything I looked at. Okay, page four again. Uh, you can see how this... Because Hebrew, Hebrew letters, uh, they're, the way that they're written uh, are representative, similar to hieroglyphic kind of stuff. Um, and so this, you can maybe think of like a plow being pulled and that sort of thing. You can understand maybe why this image looks like that when you think about plow. Uh, you can also understand how the idea of sword comes about when you look at the, the more modern drawing of it looks like a sword or looks like a scythe of some kind even if you want to continue with the food and nourishment idea uh, and so they have they have a couple explanations for all of this and we're running out of time which makes this a, a lot worse uh, some explanations for these dual meanings because there's a big difference between food or the way that you acquire that food and uh, weaponry and, and stuff like that there are times when warfare or fighting proceeds uh, having the provisions that you need Okay, think about the spiritual battles we've talked about in Revelation, that there is a battle that's taking place there. We're not saying that fighting is God's ideal, uh, but that there is fighting that's taking place there, and then it leads to this ultimate rest. You can think about the wilderness wanderings and then going into the promised land. There is a struggle throughout all of that, and God is providing what they need along the way, uh, but it is after all this stuff in Joshua, these uh, conquests and things that they arrive at uh, having everything that they need. Okay, let's make it weirder. Um, another suggestion is that since Zion represents both seven and sword, this is, a, this is not like, uh, this is not a pun or anything like that. This is literally, this is on a few uh, different Jewish scholar uh, sites and books. Uh, seven and sword, it's not surprising that it's used to divide or cut up time. We talked about that. The word for time is there in, in parentheses, uh, or one of the ways that you can say that, because they didn't really use vowels uh, in Hebrew. So one of the ways that you can say that, it starts with that letter. Uh, and so set th this letter and seven and time are connected. There's more to that. Anyway, uh, we've already seen how sevens are representative of time. 
like weeks, the years for Jubilee, the feast, uh, the, the length of how long they're supposed to celebrate feasts, the time in between those with Pentecost, stuff like that. Uh, seven is often used as a marker for time. Uh, for the Jewish people, seven was a representative number of completeness or rest. So when we think about food or nourishment, having what you need, so you don't need to go get more things, they rest on the seventh day. If you remember in the wilderness, they're told, gather what you need for each day, but on this day, you need to gather enough for tomorrow as well so that you can rest. You have to get what you need and then just rest on that day. Uh, that's on the seventh day. So for them, seventh is rest, and we, we stop because we have been provided all the stuff that we need. Uh, and the time part there for number two, it's eventually getting to what we need or where God wants us to be, that God is ultimately going to provide that. I told you it was going to get weird. Uh, we can't do the practice or the question, so I'm going to encourage you to do that. Uh, run this idea of completeness through that Old Testament list. Okay, go back through, and well, Naaman's asked to wash seven times. Okay, well, think about seven as a completeness thing, okay, and then go back through that. Think about Jericho. Think about the creation week. We'll talk more about this next week. We'll probably have three classes on this stuff, if that's all right. Uh, and then go through those lists of seven in Revelation, uh, if you want to do that, just to see how that goes. But we need to read this conclusion because... Admittedly, Hebrew numerology is a challenging subject to understand and to teach. Whenever we understand how, uh, whether we understand how, though, is second to understanding what. The number seven for the Jewish people represents fullness and completeness. All of these sevens we are presented with in the book of, Rep, uh, of Revelation represent the fullness of the enemies uh, in their attempt to destroy the people of God, uh, the fullness of God's wrath on those enemies, the reminder that God is watching over the whole of his people and will bring them to a place of complete righteousness, uh, ultimately. In other words, God's not going to leave anything unfinished. There's not going to be unfinished business with God, but bring everything to completion in the end. I hope you understand that point. If you don't know how we got there, uh, you're, like the, you're like me as a kid falling asleep in the car on a long road trip. You're just happy that you got there. Uh, don't really care what it took to get to that spot. Uh, we'll explore more about numbers stuff uh, as we go along, but uh, that's why seven matters, why it's so important to them.